You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hi, thanks so much, No Labels, No Limits community. This is Sarah, your host. And as you know, this podcast is all about shedding limiting labels and beliefs so that we can all shine our light brighter in the world. You know, I believe without a doubt, we are each capable of more than we imagine. And that when we clarify, align and declare our intentions, um, we can create a positive ripple effect that extends much further than we could have ever imagined. So today's guest actually knows quite a bit about that. And I want to tell you a little bit about Michael Goddard before we get started. Michael is the author most recently of In Search of Lost Lives. He is a winner of the American Book Fest Best Book Award. A lot of titles here, so I'm going to try and alliterate all of them. Um, the Living Now Book Award, the Body, Mind, and Spirit Book Award, and the National Indie Excellence Award. Um, his new book, A New Now, Your Guide to Mastering Wisdom Daily, Achieving Equilibrium, and Empowering Your Nobler Self, is really an invaluable guide that helps awaken and empower us as the readers to our higher consciousness so that, you know, frankly, we can navigate our lives more successfully, happily, easily, um, and discover how to live in our new now. So, and I'm going to ask him about that. Um, and as I mentioned, he's a multiple award-winning author. And he reminded me he's an author. So we, you know, he's focused on writing and not immediate recall of everything he's written, because as you can tell, he's written a lot. And I appreciate that because um, it is very difficult sometimes to remember the nuances. So I'm going to ask Michael to talk to us quite a bit about um, his journey, how he got to be doing what he's doing. He's interesting. He has, you know, he has all of this background as an author, and he'll talk about his own spiritual path. Um, but he also has a finance background. So you've got someone whose brain works left and right and up. So welcome, Michael. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Sarah. I'm really delighted to meet you and be with you today. I want to ask you a question that I ask all of our guests to answer. Um, and that is, if there's something that you do every day that keeps you focused um, and motivated and going, you know, forward on your path and or keeps you kind of writing and helping the rest of us grow into our paths? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> well, that's easy to answer, Sarah. It's meditation. Uh, after I wake up and kind of refresh myself and let the dog out to do his business, I go in my meditation room and meditate uh, for two and a half hours. So uh, I can't imagine 
I mean, if I didn't meditate one day, I'd feel such a loss. It would be hard for me. But that really focuses me. And it just really facilitates the day. I just can flow through it, handle upsets, changes, whatever whatever comes my way. It just makes life so much easier. So I'm, I'm thinking about people who um, are going two and a half hours of meditation. Did you start with two and a half hours? And how long have you been meditating? Well, I I started searching consciously for my spiritual path when I was 11, and I started kind of trying to enter the spirit worlds when I was 10, right after we moved to California from Park Forest, Illinois. But as I kept searching, I knew meditation would be an integral part of the path, and I won a fellowship from the University of California at Berkeley to go to England to study history, which wasn't my major at the time, but I agreed with the department chair that it sounded like it was a better fit for me, so I would get the fellowship. And while I was away, I, I just wanted to have a meditation to tide me over. So when I was 19, I was initiated, uh, and I'd meditate. You were supposed to meditate twice a day, but I was meditating four and five times a day and really liking it. But I knew it was temporary. That's what my intuition told me. So when I came back, I found the path I've been really consciously searching for. And one of the requirements is to uh, agree to do at least two and a half hours of meditation a day. Uh, that's your agreement. And so I was initiated onto that path at age 21. But one thing I want to stress and stress repeatedly, which really comes up in my new book, A New Now, is that I'm not here to advocate any particular path, any meditation, anything specific for people. What I want to do is empower, encourage people to tread their own spiritual path, whatever it is. It may not include meditation. It may not include yoga. I don't know. Only you can discover really what is best for you. So the whole idea is to allow people to really get the value of their human lives. And a lot of people, I mean, everybody, I hope, knows that they're going to die at some point. Certainly the past year and a half, two years made that painfully evident. As people we expected to be in our lives for 30 more years, 15 or 5, were taken. And that's the truth. And we had that present, probably, anxiety that we could be taken as well. Well, the thing is, uh, I know that life doesn't end when you leave this physical plane, per se. And my last book, which you mentioned, In Search of Lost Lives, I recover 88 past lives. So, and that's among thousands of human lives. So, I mean, I can't predict how many lives you, you've had, but if, you, but if you're really kind of oriented more toward spiritual searching and seeking, you've probably had a good number of lives and you've been progressing, progressing. So the most- So how would someone gift, know that, Michael? I mean, I think you've just thrown well, out some very <clears throat> enticing pieces of information. So let's kind of separate them a little bit. Let's unpack it a little bit. Yes, let's do. <laughs> so, uh, well, one of the rules, really, one of the laws of the physical plane is that most people, for the most part, people will not remember their past lives. Because if they did, they would realize what suffering they'd been through. And also remember the higher 
realms of existence which have more spirit and they would want to leave the earth but the thing is we've been creating every the one of the basic laws of existence is every action begets a reaction so all through our lives we've been committing good actions bad actions you name it very nuanced actions and all those have a reaction which you have to come back for to live through so you're not really meant to recall your best lives for some reason i this is really a service i was meant to perform i actually worked uh between lives i'm conscious of that on some of the aspects that allowed me to recover so many past lives it's the only book of its kind in the world so does that i forget what your question was to that <laughs> well that was one of my questions was okay. the, the past <clears throat> lives piece and Tell me a little bit, because I do want to spend time talking about your new newest book, The New Now, right. um, and especially in light of everything we're going through and the changes and all of that. But I am curious <laughs> in terms of your process that you went through for recovering those and how many years or that type of thing you did, because I know folks who have done that. But I don't know if they've been as serious as you or have applied what they learned in the ways that you do. So, so are you asking about how I recovered my past lives? Mm -hmm. or? I am. Oh, well, um, just very quickly, I, I mentioned how long I've been meditating and it's a very elevating kind of meditation. But I've also, in addition to that, I've been working on developing my intuition and my hours sense of knowing really since I was a late teenager and at different times all through my decades. So, and then I went through some horrendous, indescribable physical stuff, uh, could have easily died time after time. I, my intestine died uh, and luckily I, I survived and had a resection. So uh, it was just really on the anniversary of my initiation in 2013, when I just, all of a sudden I knew I could, I could probably find out. So basically what I do is there's, your, your soul is all knowing. It's like a, a, a particle, a drop, a spark of, of eternity. And basically I'm able to access my higher sense of knowing. So either stuff would come through and it'd be direct perception, automatic knowing, or the book is filled with all kinds of details because I really wanted to ground it. You know, I, in every life I describe what my father did, what my mother did, the work I did, where we lived, the years I lived. Uh, so when, when that didn't come through automatically, I could have a dialogue through my intuition between my everyday consciousness and my higher knowing. And I would know for sure if something I thought was true was not true. I also knew if there was something I could not know. So, so that's and how has them. that work <clears throat> affected or influenced how you are today? Well, it's been a huge relief because uh, it fulfills a lot of desires. It explains so all my quirks and abilities and aversions and my personality. Many people, some people have as a hobby or they're fixated on their genealogy and their bloodlines and their DNA. Really, in, in what I know is that who I am is very much defined by who I have been because I take these sanskaras, which is a Sanskrit word for past impressions. I took many of them with me into this lifetime. And that's illustrated throughout the memoir. Okay.
We'll move on to your new book, okay? Yeah, because but I just I'm fascinated sure. by that. Uh, well, I'm always more than happy to come back because I'm well, loving you already. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> what do you mean by a new now? Well, it's it's existing in a higher reality, a more conscious reality. In the book, early on, I I say the essential question is how can I live as my aware self? And believe me, we really needed a heightened awareness to get through and keep going through the COVID crisis, the racial injustice crisis, the economic crises, you name it. Because there's all this conflicting information and your conflicting thoughts, you really have to focus in on, on what you know to be true. And each of us has this gift. Each of us, as I state in the book, has this inexhaustible aquifer of wisdom and knowing. It's really a question of, of, of accessing it and learning how to access it. <clears throat> and my book, A New Now, is really kind of a, can be a lifelong companion because it, it does not try to steer you in any direction. It, it attempts to open you up to yourself and always to know what is the next best thing to be, to do, and to have. What would you say is um, for someone coming to the work, I'm just going to call it the work, although I know it's deeper than work. Um, for someone coming to the work for the first time, and maybe without a lot of background, what are a couple of the challenges that are often faced? Or questions well, that folks have? Yeah, well, it's really how you identify yourself. A lot of people think they are their thoughts, they are their mind, and just because they think something, they they instantly identify with it. Uh, one of the things I think the book does well is that it it explains and differentiates between the soul and the mind. The soul is really the true you, but it's completely enmeshed and wrapped by our mind. And our mind is not a simple thing, but I, I explain it in simpler terms, in terms of the higher mind, the habitual mind, and the lower mind. So it's really getting awareness of your thoughts, of your mind, and how it works, and how to rise above it. It's all about learning how to live the best life possible for you. That doesn't mean kind of learning how to uh, win in Las Vegas to, to beat the house. It really means what what is the best way to empower you forward on your spiritual journey, your awakening. Can you share a little bit about like how someone would come into that work? I know you've talked about the three minds or how you describe them, right? Um, mm -hmm. And the higher mind, the better mind, the nobler mind. How do we get to know those? And how do we differentiate between those, Michael? Well, well, one way is to be like more aware of your conscious. If you have some kind of a conflict come up and there's like this small little voice telling you what's right. But um, just really briefly, your higher, better, nobler mind is the mind that wants to do good, that expresses the virtues and spiritual strengths naturally, that wants to be of service, that's giving. The lower mind is really the part of you that is mean without really any any thought of that, even an awareness that you're mean, or if you're aware that you're being mean, you're enjoying it. 
And some of the most spiritual people can be extremely mean because they're ruled by their ego. So a lot of the book is becoming aware of your ego and not identifying with it and learning all of its traps and all the false beliefs and ideas you've taken on from other people, from their egos. So it's all about really moving toward a place of liberation uh, of the soul from the mind. That is the ultimate journey. That is the most unbelievable, exciting, thrilling adventure is liberating ourselves. Because basically, people may not want to hear it, but I'm going to share it, Sarah. We are slaves of our minds. And that's why I'm doing the meditation I'm doing, to become a master of my mind. So uh, rather than, I mean, a lot of people I think are aware of how readily they react, they have triggers, something will happen and they'll just explode or they'll have a negative thought. It's really to gain mastery over your life and to tread your own authentic path. The book anew now is really your guide to the authentic you without judgment. So you mentioned that in our current time and all the challenges we're facing in the U.S., globally, all of that, that this is really important work. So help me understand or see more clearly, me and my listeners who may not see it as clearly either, how does this work at a deeply personal level translate into our community work, our family work, all of that to help us be better in this new now? Does that right. make sense? Uh, a little bit. And there are just so many ways that can be addressed. So I'll just address the first thing that came to mind. Uh, and there, one of the later chapters is the, the five sources of wisdom where I, I list the five sources of wisdom. And the first one is clear-headedness, which is an extended section. So it's really, um, you know, and I ask these questions, are you compromising yourself? Are you, uh, are you under the influence? Are you, you know, are you under the spell? And I go through very practical examples of life and family, of, of how you are not being served uh, how you're compromising yourself, how that's getting in the way of clear thinking. So clear-headedness is like the first source of wisdom. And and uh, and I talk about, you know, being under the influence of drugs and, and alcohol and why that may be detrimental, but without judgment, but allowing people to, to really understand what is the best place for them. So the book is really, it's not really, it's high-minded, but at the same time, it's very practical. A lot of the people uh, who've read it have, have said, this is a book that helps you navigate through life situation after situation. Can you give so, me an example of, of something someone has shared with you? Obviously, by not giving them up, but just like yeah. something concrete. I'm not, I, d I actually agree with what you're saying about the power of this work and the timeliness of it. Mm -hmm. um, but I also know that sometimes having a concrete application of something like this happened, this is what that person experienced as a result, which was different or better or whatever for them. Yeah, well, I'll just share what came to my mind uh, from really actually some decades ago from my first book, Spiritual Revolution, which is the distillation of all the teachings of 
realized saints, masters, mystic adepts, and that is a young woman shared that she'd never been aware, and this, and I happen to know this young woman, and she was so sweet, but she shared that she had never been so aware how angry she was and how easily she became angry, and reading through Spiritual Revolution, and it definitely would work with the new now, they work well in tandem, and I'll address that in a moment, is that she became aware that when her thoughts were negative and how to redirect them. And that led to a much more positive life. And anger is sort of an all-purpose word for this negative um, um, state, which can be annoyance, backbiting. I, in the book of Spiritual Revolution, I list like 30 different expressions of anger. It, so you're taken through the list. Now, one of the things I stress in the new now is to help you live in your new now, you want to add to your spiritual foundation. You already have one, but it may not, it, it may not be a perfect uh, spiritual foundation. So part of your spiritual foundation is really being able to express all the spiritual virtues and strengths. And, and actually, I, I write about that in my second book, uh, Bliss, which covers the essential spiritual strengths and virtues. So it's all about really realizing your spiritual potential as a spiritual being having a, a human experience. Uh, it's really not that far-fetched. It's not difficult. There are no uh, really challenging physical things you have to do or, or practices. It's really getting to know yourself better and, and moving on with your life and not wasting it because you've been given the most precious gift. This is your chance to really advance, but not only to further your spiritual evolution, but to have the best life possible now with this greater awareness. So at each turn, I mean, if something happens and it kind of gives you a moment like, wait a minute, you can ask yourself, how can I how can I live now as my aware self? Maybe somebody makes a cutting remark. Well, you can let that trigger you and, and have all these negative judgments spew out from you. Or you can say, I wish you happiness and move on. How powerful is that? It can be really powerful and it can just lift a load of you. Because the thing is, our minds are have negative biases. I mean, the times you've been really criticized harshly, knifed in the back, taken advantage of, betrayed, you don't forget those. Even if you've worked on forgiveness, and I hope you have, and you've forgiven the person, it still will come up when you least expect it. You have to work to really imbibe the positive experiences to imprint them on your minds. I find for myself, I mean, there is that, um, the old adage, once bitten, twice shy. But mm -hmm. the other piece is to not overlay that or project it onto a future relationship, you know, to learn from whatever that past was. Mm -hmm. Just look freshly because it's so easy to discount somebody else or a new experience just because you are triggered, right? You're thinking, oh, danger, danger, or watch yeah. out, this never works out. I mean, so I, when you talk about the mind and how powerful it is, I know when I'm coaching people, it can stop them dead in their tracks. Just going, well, well, well no, it, I can't. Yeah, well, the mind has a mind of its own. <laughs> and it'll Say more about that, Michael. <laughs> well, I mean, 
basically we're ruled, as I mentioned earlier, we're, we're ruled by our, our minds and it's been going on for, for eons. Now we've ascended to the human form and in my spiritual memoir in search of lost lives, in which I write about 88 past lives, the most recent in great depth, but I also include 17 animal lives. And most of those animal lives are when I, my actions that I committed, the hurtful actions that hurt people, that went against the nature of God and our higher being, the pendulum weighed heavily on, on that side. So I lost the opportunity to come back as a human. I had to incarnate as an animal. And believe me, those are really tough lives I had to suffer through. But I was marked to keep progressing and eventually I got a human life again. So uh, I'm forgetting your question again, Sarah. Uh. <laughs> That's okay. I started going down a rabbit trail with you and thinking that is so interesting. Um, mm -hmm. So I have two or three questions that came from just what you shared, um, but I'm trying to also stay focused okay. because yeah, it's yeah, very interesting. Focused. What you're sharing yeah. is very interesting. So you were talking about your, your reincarnation and some of those being in animal form. Um, and you've talked about reincarnation quite a bit, which is so refreshing. Um, what happens or frequently do people challenge you on whether that exists? Do they doubt it? And how are you so positive? Is that because of your own experiences and knowing? Well, I first came, I first read the word reincarnation when I was 12, after I began my spiritual search, I was reading Edgar Casey. And as soon as I read his statement, I just immediately knew it was true. I mean, it was just so patently obvious to me. Like, of course, you know. But I mean, I have friends like from book clubs I've been in, you know, I've I've mentioned the word God, and they look at me as like I'm the most naive, unbelievably dumb person imaginable, even though they know I'm at least as smart as they are. So, I mean, a lot of people, reincarnation, they scoff at it, but that's fine. That's okay because you're, you come in here, you're not meant to remember your past lives. Now, there are many documented cases of children remembering things like when they lived in Ireland and who their mother was and what happened and, you know, when their father came home. And, but then as they grow older, this call uh, hardens over them. So there are so many documented cases of very young children clearly remembering. But as we get enmeshed and enmeshed in the world, our attention goes out. It's all about bringing our attention back to our spiritual center, which is right here. This is the launch pad. I mean, people are investing billions of dollars to go into space, to outer space. I want to encourage people to discover inner space. There are realms of existence that you don't need a billion dollars to pay for your own private space flight because advanced meditators and gurus travel all the time. It's really a question of gathering your attention, concentrating at your eye center to the point where you can go through an energetic aperture. That's the best way I could describe it. And you are existing consciously in a heightened, heightened state of consciousness out of the physical and you are moving with your spirit and mind. Your mind and soul are still knotted together, but you are going into a region of much, much, much less matter and more mental and more spiritual. 
So we we have really realms of creation, or if a lot of people really blanch at the word creation, so let me say realms of existence, where there you can say there are five main planes before you get to the ultimate, and each one has less and less matter, less and less matter, and more and more spirit. So really, we we're kind of a multidimensional being. We have our physical body. We have our mind, we have our soul. We also have seven energetic bodies, which I write about in Anu Now. There are some energetic bodies I believe have never been written about that I disclose for people. And I know a lot of your listeners are probably familiar with the chakras. They may not be as familiar with their energetic bodies. So I write about that in, in a new vision. So there is realms of existence to discover read about space travel, revel in it, uh, do it if you want to, if you're able to, you know, become an astronaut. But each of us has this opportunity to experience, let's just call them heavens. I mean, this world is like a dirty latrine, outdoor latrine, compared to what is within. And mystics throughout time have made it very clear from completely different times and cultures. And if they wrote their own teachings, they're really easy to access. It's just really a question of a little bit of research. So I'm, it's so, um, I would say interesting, but there's a different word I'm looking for that's escaping me now. How about, I also how about think, fascinating? It is <laughs> to me, fascinating. It's fascinating. Well, I'm, it piques my interest. Like when you said you started at 12 with Edgar Casey, I'm going, I was that age when my mom handed me that book because she had been reading it. Um, and then handed me the Celestine prophecy. I mean, it was just interesting. But to your point, it was like, of course that's accurate. Because at that age, there's not so much going on that you're you're going, well, that doesn't make logical sense. Mm -hmm. It's like you can feel the truth of it. Um, yeah, right. You haven't been completely mind-washed yet. Yeah. And um, so anyway, I wanted to ask. So, you know, you start out by saying you've got this two and a half hour practice. Mm -hmm. um, I know you, it's different for everybody, but say people are listening to this and they're saying, okay, Michael, I definitely, you know, I'll get the book, but I want to start now. So talk to us about how to start a simple practice that we will be inclined to repeat. Okay. Well, what comes to mind is experiencing when you're at your spiritual center. And this doesn't have to do with anything to do with meditation. Your spiritual center, and I describe it better in the book, is when you're most positive, aware, uh, centered, present, at, at peace, you're, you're like in equilibrium. And what I do is give examples of how to return to your spiritual center, because we're constantly being yanked away from our spiritual center. So that's very important. And you can learn to return. Everybody can have their own ways. I mean, one of the ways uh, I would return to my spiritual center or just feel better was I, I was a bodybuilder. Before my major surgeries, I had 40 pounds more muscle mass. So I would go in the gym and do my sets and reps and wow, I would leave that place feeling so centered and so good. So like, I don't, I would never want to wash my car, but for some people it could be washing your car. It could be drumming, it could be singing. 
in the shower, whatever it is that really kind of gets you more centered and more present in your new now. So that's something I think very basic that, that people should get to know. But also uh, along with that is being aware of what your purpose is for not only for each day, but for each season and really for the rest of your life. Uh, and I go into that in great detail um, in the wisdom of prioritizing. And one of the keys to achieving equilibrium I write about is um, prior prioritize your day. So I, I give very specific guidance on, on how to uh, re recover and discover your priorities for each day, for each season, and for your life. And a lot of what the book does is, is ask questions, which you can learn to ask your, your higher mind. And they're very practical, but also they're very high and far-reaching uh, that will linger with you, uh, ideally, after the book. So when you ask your higher mind a question, how does the answer arrive? Well, it's, it's going to be different for, for different people. I mean, often it's just an automatic knowing. Uh, if it's something, I also write a lot about inspiration and intuition. Uh, and I describe the different kinds of intuition. There can be like immediate intuition, like you're going to go past the light, like the light has turned green and all of a sudden you think, no, don't. And then a car runs a red light. That could be your intuition. It could be just, this is what people miss the most. It could be just like a, a spark of feeling in the corner of your mind. And most people will just ignore it because of the onrush of your thoughts. But what I encourage people to do is focus on it and unravel it. It's, it's a special feeling. Now, when I had so much of my intestine removed, I literally had to intuit every bite, every spoonful of food I, I eat. So I wouldn't get these horrific bowel obstructions, which would send me to the ER and land me in the hospital. So at times, I'd be trying to, I still do it three, four times a day. I have to put together a meal and I will have some of it. I literally intuit everything I eat. And I know that the meal isn't completed. There's something else and I'll ask and I'll ask and I'll ask. And then in the corner of my mind, it'll be like, look here and I'll go to the pantry and behind all this other stuff, there will be something which I meant to add to my meal. So I have that sense of knowing where I, I look, but I'm forced to because of my compromised physical condition. I put together the ideal meal for myself. So uh, we, we all have these powers within ourselves and, and they can be developed. Uh, and it's really exciting. I mean, to me, it's exciting to ask questions. It's curiosity. I mean, let yourself be curious, like recover your childlike innocence and curiosity. Children are always asking questions. They want to know. I, I may have driven my mother crazy, but she liked being a, you know, somebody who knows everything. Yes, <laughs> I've, uh, I've been accused of being an interrogator. My husband's oh. retired and he just said, oh, my God, you are relentless. I said, I'm just curious. You know, people say things, people are interesting or I'm just curious, how do they know that? How do they get there? Um, because I know that my experience is not all. Right. You well, know? the thing is, on a higher level, everything makes sense and everything is perfect. It certainly does not look like that here. But no. on a higher level, you can really know everything. I mean, we can tread the path to omniscience if, if we want to. 
we have that God-given opportunity. Really, I mean, to be really frank and blatant about it, Sarah, the human life is really meant for God realization. And if the word God doesn't sit right with you, I actually more often use an alternative word in, in a new now, and that is love source with the L and the S capitalized. So I call it love source, but that ultimate being, the supreme being is nameless, it has no name, but we all came from it. That, that's our natural home. But to function on this plane, we not only did we need a body, we needed a mind. So through all these eons, our, our mind and souls have been knotted together. They've been kind of co-joined, co-existing. It's a big tapestry. Yes. And we is. are not close enough to see the entire design usually. Yeah, and, and high enough. I mean, right. you can get to a, a place in a higher spiritual realm where all your lives are a total perfect book. But I I actually very consciously, since I was initiated, I didn't want to be distracted by that. I didn't want to think, oh, I did this in this life and I did that and, that, and this person screwed me on that lifetime. I kind of wanted to get that over with because I just wanted to be absorbed in all the bliss and love. Well, and you've got this lifetime. Yeah, well, no, that's this is a wonderful payoff. I, I got, I really kind of got to know everything I felt I needed to know. So I, I think this will free me on my inner journey. So how has the reception on your new book been so far, Michael? Well, it's it's been really wonderful. I mean, the particularly the hosts, because they, they interview a lot of people that they're really well-traveled seekers. They have just been so excited and fascinated in, in the best way. Uh, people are rereading it. It's, it's a book they can keep. And um, to really assist people in their journey, I introduced this concept, which I call the journey journal, because so many of us who are seekers, and by the way, I say if you're seeking and you're seeking truth, that is really the highest calling. But you've read probably a lot of books, you've heard a lot of tapes, you've gone to retreats, and you may remember one or three things coming out of it. And then for me, I don't have the best memory they're forgotten easily and they're not integrated into your life. So I have a journey journal you can download from my website, which is goddard.com, spelled G-O-D for God, D-A-R-T for Dart. And you can keep it any way you want, but I give guidance in the beginning of the book of how to keep it. And, and you can date your entries and go back to them. But when you set yourself priorities and goals, you can go back and and revisit them if there's something inspiring from the book you can copy it and put it in there it's really an action an ongoing action plan and companion for your ongoing journey wow as someone who's big on strategy and being focused that is wonderful and the ability to put pieces of the book in there yes is, that's amazing right and and actually the the file is a word file which you can, I imagine, convert to Adobe Acrobat if you want, or another program. But I have all the many, many sections of the book in the chapters there. So if something really strikes you in a particular section, you can copy it into it, and you can copy your own goals, your own thoughts about it. Like, like maybe there's some, maybe you, someone has created a really toxic relationship with you. 
I write a lot about relationships in the book, and that's something you need to address so you can be free and move on in, in a loving way. You can make a note to yourself. The whole idea, this is sort of a self-taught participatory course at your own pace that even no matter what else you read or get into, this can be your companion. That's super. And we'll have, you know, for folks who are listening, we will have all of that in the show notes. So mm -hmm. if you're driving or walking or at the gym, don't worry about it. It's in the show notes, all the hyperlinks so that you can find Michael. Um, Michael, what's next for you? Well, <clears throat> I'm really itching and keen to write a new book. Uh, the Spill. interviews are, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, this book came because I had written 15 articles and eight Q&A interviews from Search of Lost Lives and I was just really keen. And so the book really came through word by word intuitively to me. I had no idea I'd ever write it. When I discovered the working main title and subtitle, I said, I don't think so. This is too audacious. This is too daunting. I want something easier. I had a lot of notes for two other books. I had the sequel to Bliss, More Bliss, which is actually the uh, name of my book page on Facebook, More Bliss. I really wanted to bring that out or finish the other two books. No, this is the book you have to write now. So I think there's another book out there, which I'd love to finish. But I have been so thoroughly enjoying the interviews with delightful people like you. I, I'd like to keep it up, but, you know, maybe a couple a week, not as heavy a schedule as I've had. Well, it's it's valuable to hear you speak about your experience as well as the book. Um, it's just more relatable and people go, yeah, I can get that. Or, I, you know, I've had a similar feeling or I've been a seeker similarly. So I do think um, the value of getting to talk to authors and people who are on their own journeys and not being stopped by labels or limits or the, the head chat, you know, that says, oh, better not do it, um, is so important. I mean, that's really one of the reasons why I started the podcast in the first place. Was yeah, so Right. And actually, I did really want to talk about the name of the podcast, which I absolutely love. No Labels, No Limits. I mean, there's so many ways we could talk about it, which we probably don't have time for. But this is a way of transcending all your labels and, and limits. We are unlimited. It's really a, a finding your path to reclaim that step by step. And I have found that the name when I first, it was one of those things like the name came to me mm -hmm. and I went, okay. And I just went and bought <laughs> the domain name. I'm thinking, I have no idea what I'm going to do with this. And I, my VA and I talked about it and I says, okay, well, it's sitting there. And she goes, what are you going to do with that? I says, a podcast, I'm pretty sure. You know, but I wasn't even that clear at the time. I just did it. But the, when I started mm -hmm. it, it was very tactical and thinking like, okay, no labels or limits partly because of um, people who get labeled or limited and then boxed in, particularly at work, right? You're not this kind of person, so therefore, why would you be doing our social media, even though you have a passion and like you just have that knack for it, right? Right. Um, those artificial. Plays, yeah, and that actually plays so well with your last name. Uh, you're helping people. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Not, not get boxed in. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I was kind of frustrated. I was... Uh, uh, like a, a top executive at Bank of America, Bank Tax, and I was reviewing all the work, the tax work of their accountant attorney staff, and like, I was just wanting to write. So I finally approached my manager and I said, uh, you know, 
are there any kind of writing things I can do? And he, he said, oh, he had no idea I had these skills. And I said, yeah. So overnight, he created a position. I became manager of communications. And I was in charge of all the writing, you know, all the form letters. He, he was really big on form letters because we had to explain all kinds of tax policy and tax returns to the huge client population we had at, at Bank of America. So I, th this is an example of someone having no idea what I was bringing to the job. And I communicated in a very neutral way, uh, in a humble way, and so much good came out of it. So I think there, we all have stories like where we wanted to do something like that and didn't do it, or conversely, we did do that and were surprised by the reception, positively surprised. Um, and I do know that, that people are so complex and they have so many nuances about things they like to do, know to do, but we, we pigeonhole right. ourselves like I am this. Right. And, and that really does bring up something I just want to mention quickly, and that's the wisdom of commonality. It's one of the loving wisdoms I write about. And I talk about discovering your own particular genius. Because, and, and even if you don't haven't finished high school or you have a PhD and two masters, forget about that. We want to focus on your wisdom, but the wisdom of commonality is really discovering what you're a genius at. And it can be as simple as being a good listener or asking questions or working with people, whatever it is. And sharing that with other people and bonding over it, but also helping people with, with the genius that you do have. That's funny. That's what was in my journaling exercise this morning. Oh, so really? Maybe not funny, maybe synchronicity. But yeah. um, I had to really ponder that. I thought, mm -hmm. I don't know. And so I just thought, quit thinking about it. Just write, you know, just do it. Um, but it was a good, it was thought provoking and had to really connect to my heart to do the work. Mm -hmm. so, so, Michael, before we sign off, tell folks where you like to connect most with them. Gee, well, I, I do invite people to go to my website because I have excerpts there from all the books. I have interviews. I have uh, free media. I go to the free media section. But I'm uh, my book page on Facebook is More Bliss. I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook is Michael Goddard. So, um be in touch if you'd like to. You know, I, if you have a burning metaphysical question, you can email me from the website. I'm awesome. open to any metaphysical question. <laughs> I believe that because of how open you've been today. So thank you so much. I appreciate having you as a guest. And I'm looking forward to people getting to hear this podcast. And you and folks listening, um, I really hope you will share this podcast with someone else that you think will benefit from it. It's so great when we hear things, but when we don't share, we just kind of keep them to ourselves. So if you know one person, two people, whatever, share the link to this podcast so that they can get to know Michael. Check out the links down below. And especially what would be helpful would be if you are moved by what Michael said in his books, please leave a rating and review on the podcast and that will also help elevate michael and what he's going to do or is doing out in the world which is making it better frankly for all of us so with that michael thank you so much oh you're most welcome and thank you for having me Sarah. you've been listening to the no labels no limits podcast with best-selling author change agent and strategic vision coach sarah box 
You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.